Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. Welcome to River Cafe Table 4, a production of iHeartRadio and Atomize Studios. Over the last year, I've been lucky enough to sit down with 46 guests at River Cafe Table 4. We've talked about food and family, taste and memory. We've read recipes and swapped stories of dining out around the world, from the grandest Michelin-starred restaurants to canteens, bars, and market cafes. The restaurant I know best is, of course, the River Cafe. And so to begin this episode, I'm stepping behind the pass to talk to executive chefs Sean Winowen and Joseph Trevelli, friends and colleagues we've been cooking together for over 20 years. It's interesting about how immediate your performance is judged it's in a true, restaurant. Yeah, you know, exactly. Chefs are judged as soon as they walk into the kitchen. Yeah. I mean, you can judge a chef by the... The chef's trousers they wear, even. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or if they come in in a jacket that's not clean yeah. or yeah. tied neatly, and how you present yourself before you've even picked up your knife, which people mm-hmm. are judging you by your knife quietly, mm-hmm. even though I, mm-hmm. I don't believe in the, what your knife says about you per se. But mm-hmm. a lot of chefs will just have a little look at someone's knife before they've even chopped anything. When a new chef comes, when you've interviewed someone, and you know, I always used to say, what books do you read? Michel... Rue used to say, make me an omelette. But what do you look for in terms of somebody coming for a job here? If we interview people together, though, we try and put them off. Because some people yeah. come with, they have um, maybe a law degree or they've done a degree in Doctor, medicine. Yeah, we have. Yeah. And we're like, okay, so you know you have to stand up for a living. <laughs> you know you have to work nights, you have to work weekends. It's shift work. If you love cooking, you can always cook at home. And then if you're really, 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 really set on it, then, you know, because some people you think, my God, you could earn a fortune being a lawyer. I look for people that I think will fit into the team because if someone wants to learn, we can teach anyone to cook. We also talked about Rose Gray. We founded the River Cafe together in 1987. She was my closest friend and a brilliant cook. I remember meeting Rose on my first day and she said something I always quote still said I'll teach you to slice a piece of prosciutto the perfect thickness I'll teach you to cook bolotti beans perfectly I'll teach you the art of simple cooking and I remember thinking that sounds easy Mm -hmm. (laughs) but actually that is the essence of the river cafe isn't it simplicity and the understanding of simplicity which as I've worked with Ruthie over the years I've never understood it more than watching you and how you take one thing more away. You well, know? <laughs> I remember one time we'd had a huge lunch in Tuscany and then we drove to Piemonte and oh. we went out to dinner and there was a, and I remember there was a, again a grand dinner and I sat next to it and I remember when the fifth course came out I just started to cry. <laughs> <laughs> I literally started, I can't take this anymore. 
was too much. And she was just, you know, there she was. Yeah. Come on, Rogers. Rogerina, she used to call me. You know, there were so many. Yeah. She was very yeah. much her own person, I think, in terms of what yeah. she chose yeah. to do. And fiercely loyal, fiercely proud. I was, you know, we used to get into a taxi in Paddington in the early, early days. And she'd just say to the driver, River Cafe. And I used to say, I hope this guy knows where the River Cafe is or his day is going to be rude. And she's really, she's such a character. Yeah. yeah. I met Rose Gray in New York. Tracy Ullman. In the 80s. And I remember going to Nell's Campbell, who's a friend of mine in Australia, Nelka, her nightclub. Mm. And uh, about three in the morning, she said, darling, let's get row. Are you hungry? And you'd mm. think, three in the morning. But yes, of course I am, Nell. Let's get this. This wonderful lady's going to make us something to eat. And Rose was so quiet. And she started bringing out these little samples of things that were so divine. I'm like, wow, Rose is amazing. And we just all sat and talked and, you know. We're saying those things like, you should have your own restaurant. Yeah. You're brilliant. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then she went yeah. on to meet yeah, you. Yeah, she did. That's how it all started. Yeah. She was with Nell and it, uh, Nell's in New York. And then when Rose decided to come back, that's when we, we started the River Cafe. I called her up and wow. said, I think there's this little site in the middle of nowhere. Should we go have a look? And we did. And the rest is wow. kind of history. Over the 48 episodes of River Cafe Table 4, many guests have also shared memories of eating at the River Cafe. Here are two, Edward Ennefel, editor of British Vogue, but first, film director and actor Maggie Gyllenhaal. I kept texting you and saying, oh, could one more person come? Oh, could just one more person come? Could I, you know, and, and don't you always kind of want to say yes, right? Like, yes. like of course yes. you can bring your boyfriend. And it, it was interesting. It was, it really was a special night. And, and then I remember like, we weren't sure. We're like, oh, is this enough pasta? And I was like, no, 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 it's not. Let's get another <laughs> two pasta, you know? I remember that night that you were there. And I remember the feeling of it, that you were... You know, you you were so happy and you were so wanting to give. We were there to do press for The Lost Daughter. We all had to wake Mm -hmm. up at like six o'clock in the morning the next day and go do press all day and then go to the opening night. And we had all eaten all this food, drank tons of wine and champagne and chocolate cake. And and I was thinking the next day about like consequences, what's worth it. And what isn't, you know? And I was like, this feeling I have today is totally worth it. Like, I'm not blindly having this dinner and drinking wine and, you know, eating all this delicious food. I understand that I will sacrifice something the next day. If I'd gone to sleep at nine and had green juice or something, I would feel different. But what it gives me in exchange, I felt was, was worth it. It was a really magical evening, one of my, one of the truly magical evenings of my life. Because remember, the issue came out. It was a love story, really, to Great Britain, the country that sort of took my family in and took me in. And we celebrated everybody from Naomi Campbell to Steve McQueen to Kate Moss. And we had Adjua on the cover. It was a beautiful night. And I think people... You know, again, over food, over, over wine. Food. The food you wanted to be sharing plates. You I wanted know. people to have antipasti. 
I remember something about that night, which was we were talking about whether we could do ravioli as a preemie. And there was a conversation saying, well, you know, fashion people don't eat carbs. They won't eat pasta. Nobody's going to eat the ravioli. They all ate it. Not only did they eat it, they had it seconds, gone. seconds and thirds and put on more ravioli on the plate. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Help helps is a maxim I believe in. We all carry around stress and hardship. And when we keep it inside... It starts to chip away. Therapy is a safe place, and therapy is for everyone. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Visit BetterHelp dot com slash Ruthie today to get 10% off your first month. That's better help. H-E-L-P dot com slash Ruthie. Betterhelp dot com slash Ruthie. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Every conversation of River Cafe Table 4 ended with the same question. What is your comfort food? Food is sustenance, politics, culture, a journey of discovery. It is also comfort and love. Here is Jude Law on food, family life, and the art of feeding your children. I enjoyed giving the love of it. I I enjoyed looking after them. I always say this to uh, friends who are expecting children, that, you know, the satisfaction you get when you're about to go to bed and your kids Mm. have all eaten, they're washed... Mm. (laughs) <laughs> they're in bed, they're safe. It's just such a fantastic feeling. It's the greatest sense of satisfaction and contentment that mm. you've got through mm. another day and they're yeah. all right, you know, yeah. they've eaten, yeah. all of that. Yeah. And that was, yeah, an important part of bringing them up to me. And uh, and the adventurousness, I suppose, because, again, it reflects, I don't know, you know, people that go, oh, no, I don't like that. And you think, well, have you tried it? Mm. You know, that was always, that's always that's the first question to the kids. And you think, no, just try it. You know, and you see yeah. them suddenly thinking, oh, actually, yeah. yeah. So it's that an octopus. You think, yeah, mm. go on, try a little bit. It's really good. Yeah. Food also means joy and celebration. Austin Butler is the star of Baz Luhrmann's film Elvis. There was a small group of us, and it was the night that we wrapped. And we, we just, we danced until the sun came up. We just nice. put on vinyl records nice. and we just danced and we ate oysters and we just, we just lived life. It was like this feeling of letting our hair down. And, and then the sun started to come up and Baz looked out and he lived across the street from the sea. And he said, should we go swim in the ocean right now? And it's like five in the morning now and we swam in the ocean. And so the sun's rising and... And I, I was going to not go that night as well. And I said, I said, Baz, I can't believe I was going to go to sleep tonight. Mm. And he started singing Nessa Dorma to me. <laughs> and he goes, no sleep tonight. And he went back to the shore 
And I, I kind of took a second for myself in the ocean where it was just me. And as I sort of slowly walked back to shore, I look at Baz and he's holding a speaker above his head like John Cusack and Say Anything. And he's playing Nessa Dorma, the, the uh, Pavarotti version. Wow. And it's blaring at like 5.30 in the morning now on the beaches of the Gold Coast. Mm-hmm. And then we made breakfast. What was that? We, made, we, we looked in the refrigerator and we thought, okay, we got eggs, we got asparagus, we got some spinach there, we got some tomatoes, we got some Parmesan cheese, what can we do? And, and so we kind of just made this breakfast and that's one of the most glorious memories of my life was like after we finished this thing that was so terrifying and daunting and that we gave it everything we could and then, and then we just sat there and as the morning sun sort of laid down on us and, and ate that breakfast and it was so glorious. Don't tell anybody I, I told you this. Yeah. This is Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, with memories of a college ice cream heist and food as an act of rebellion. No, we won't we tell used to go at night. Was... They know now. Years later, they know. But we used to go, like, in the middle of the night down to the, the dining room and break into the freezer to get ice cream. Now, they, it was locked, so you could only lift it a little bit and then the scooper in there and pull it out. (laughs) We better not tell certain members of the house about this. (laughs) Exactly. It's hard to tell a flavor in in the dark. In the dark. (laughs) You could tell if it's chocolate or not, but peach, strawberry, and the rest, that kind of comes together. And um, sometimes we would order pizza Mm -hmm. so that the guard would say to the guard, Somebody would go talk to the guard and said, I ordered pizza. I'm waiting here for the pizza while we would go down and steal the ice cream. Distraction you know. of authority. Just the sc- mm. <laughs> steal the ice cream. <laughs> and so your, your college days were spent stealing ice cream. Stealing ice cream, basically. <laughs> but food isn't only a subject for funny stories. On many episodes of River Cafe Table 4, we also heard about the politics of food, inequality, and the desperation of hunger. Christian Amanpour told me about her experience of reporting from Sarajevo in the 1990s. The very, very first winter under siege, and it sounds like a cliche, and I didn't even believe it till I saw it, but literally people were foraging, honestly trying to get dandelion leaves and grasses and things like that that they might be able to to boil up into something. Some of them may have had little vegetable gardens with lettuce or spinach or whatever it was, Um, but there was no real protein. They could make bread because, because flour was coming in eventually by the, by the UN. But it was basic. And, you know, I just remember living in the Holiday Inn with all the mm. press there. I didn't realize until afterwards the managers had to pretty much bribe the besiegers and some of the UN peacekeeping forces who came in mm. to get things like eggs. There, there wasn't potatoes or tomatoes or... Or anything. Because all the farming, all the it was access, all, stopped. all the transport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, just like now in, in Ukraine, yeah. when it's bombed all the time and there's a scorched earth policy. Mm. And the people of the city, did, would you? Yes, would they be yes, they were, they were mostly grateful for us to tell their story. But, and I have to say, it is important, they did begin to get angry. I remember them saying, you know, turn your cameras away from us. This isn't the Sarajevo safari. You mm. keep telling our mm. stories and the world doesn't intervene, doesn't mm. help us. Mm. And those were very painful moments mm. because you did realize that they were telling the truth, mm. that, yeah, we could go to them, talk to them, get their experiences, see what they were trying to cook for their families, which was pretty much nothing in their little uh, kitchens mm. and trying to survive this war. 
and nothing was happening to help them. So then they would take it out on us because yeah. we were the closest for them. Yeah, and it was painful. Yeah. It, that was painful. Yeah. So I have no illusion that we are welcomed yeah. with open oh, arms yeah, and yeah. we're the great saviors at yeah. all, yeah. at all. We yeah. do a job. We, If we're lucky, we tell the truth and the truth mm. gets out. And if we're very, very lucky, it causes intervention. Mm-hmm. It's, it's my love of food, my desire to know more about it has just grown. This is Stanley Tucci. So it's, it's sort of all I think about, and it's, it's very much how I spend my time now. We think about food and, and hunger, and it's also mental health, and it's also physical health. And you referred just now to the fact that you had cancer and that your wife died of mm-hmm. cancer. How did you see illness, and how did illness affect food for you? Uh, well, Kate went through so many different treatments and, you know, going through chemo and radiation and all that stuff made her very nauseous and she couldn't eat a lot at times and then she would recover and then the cancer would present itself again and then it would, she'd go through the process again. It was horrible. Um, when I went through mine, because it was an oral cancer, all the treatment was focused on my mouth, so I lost everything. You don't only lose your sense of taste your your sense of taste is destroyed and perverted mm. so that everything tastes like you know what mm. uh for months mm. and plus your mouth is so compromised you're in so much pain you're on pain medications and all that stuff and you have a feeding tube you're trying to put protein drinks through your feeding tube which are mm. disgusting and not that you're tasting them but they're upsetting mm. your stomach and then there's morphine you're putting through. It's just a, it's a nightmare. And for me, it was a real nightmare because food is everything to me. It's now how most of my life. And not to be able to eat properly, not to be able to, everything smelled horrible, tasted horrible, and, and not to be able to sit and eat with my friends and drink with my friends and cook for my family. It was really, really hard. And did that come back? It, well, it obviously back. came back. But how did it just come back and you embraced it? Or was it slow? Hard it was to, very slow. Yeah. It's still not. I, mm. I'm almost four years out mm. from uh, finishing my treatments. And I still, last night I made lamb chops. I didn't really eat them. Yeah, I yeah. can't really, because you lose your saliva. Mm. So I don't have all of my saliva. Mm. So if you don't have your saliva, mm. it's very hard to break things down. Mm. So I eat a lot of pasta, (laughs) but that's fine. That's just the way it is. I'm probably at the point now where this is about where I'm going to be. I don't Mm. know how much more I will recover, Mm. but it's fine. I can eat most things. I can drink wine. I can have a martini slowly. Mm. It's fine. Negroni. Negronis, yes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know about the Negroni. As the climate emergency deepens, What we eat and how and where food is grown has become crucial to our survival. Former Vice President of the United States, Al Gore, is, as we all know, passionate about food, farming, and the environment. Well, agriculture can be one of the biggest uh, solutions to the climate crisis. Mm. People talk about uh, planting trees to pull CO2 back out of the atmosphere, and it's something we certainly need to do. But we also 
need to remember that if you look at all of the carbon in every tree in the world, mm -hmm. plus every plant in the world, there's three times that much carbon in the first 10 centimeters of topsoils around the world. And by sharply reducing the amount of plowing and using uh, natural fertilizing techniques and natural pest control techniques and using cover crops, always keep roots in the soil, don't let it lie loose, use perennials where you can, use rotational grazing, uh, mm -hmm. agroforestry. These techniques can reverse the flow of global warming pollution out of the soil and actually put a large amount of CO2 back mm -hmm. in the soil. So regenerative agriculture not only produces healthier foods and healthier communities, but it also contributes to a healthier planet by becoming a key part of our arsenal in combating the climate crisis. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. For Paul McCartney, the politics of food, particularly animal welfare, is also key. He told me about a moment he shared with his first wife, Linda. We were on the farm in Scotland. We had a farm in a place called Campbelltown, which is uh -huh. south down the Argyle Peninsula, south of Glasgow. So we spent quite a bit of time there. The Beatles' breakup got a bit heavy in the business scene, and you just couldn't deal with it. So we decided yeah. to just elope. Even though we were married, we just escaped yeah. there. And it was just a sheep farm. We were looking out of the kitchen window one day, and there were lambs. It was lambing season early in spring. And the lambs were gambling around, so full of life. And it was like, mm. wow, this is really cool. And I always say that what they seemed like they were doing, there'd be about 20 of them. They'd start at one end of the field, and then it'd be as if someone said, let's go. And they'd all go and run to the other side of the field. Let's go back. So they, so they were just running up and down and gambling and jumping and everything. We're going, isn't this cute and great? Then we suddenly realized we were eating leg of lamb. So that was when the penny dropped and it was like, oh, yeah. oh leg of yeah. lamb, leg of lamb. Then it was just, we said, you know what, should we try and, not eat meat, we try and go veggie. And in those days, of course, it was actually difficult. But we decided that we'd make it a challenge. It just became a fun challenge. Mm. Okay, what do you do? Yeah. So we gradually begun 
filling the hole in the middle of the plate. We'd keep everything else, and then we'd just work on things to take the place of where the meat had been. It's funny because the very early years were actually in Scotland, Mm -hmm. and so we had a tiny little vegetable patch there. Paul and Linda's daughter, the fashion designer Stella McCartney, who is also a vegetarian. And I remember we'd always get into trouble because me and Mary would go down and pick, there were always like sugar snaps and carrots. And we would always kind of nick them and eat them before you could yield any kind of crop off it. Um, And then when we got a bit older, we got the farm in East Sussex and then we had like a proper vegetable patch. Well, it's very touching that you say that you and your sister would go and get a sugar snap pea and a carrot as rather the way somebody might take sweets from the sweet cupboard, you know, that you actually went to the vegetable And also we had horses, so we had, you know, we always with horses, so it would always be like, right, we'll eat the the carrot and the carrot heads for the the horses. You'd always have this journey between picking it, the soil, the smell, you know, your dirty fingernails, that kind of adventure to go out and and have that process. And then you'd take it up and give the, you know, the carrot heads to the horse and that would be like horse slobbery all over your hands and like so many different smells as well. I mean, I've worked on creating perfumes and it's so interesting how smell has really been inspired by food for a lot of the things that I've created. I mean, Mm. I, for example, one thing when you're a vegetarian, there's so few moments of kind of extravagance whereas with meat it's so associated with yeah. kind of wealth or, or cost or, or you know there's such yeah. a kind of different kind of relationship and when you're a vegetarian it's literally only truffle season that you're like mm-hmm. right okay this yeah. is like oh this is this moment yeah. and so I did a, a perfume with truffle in it because I just always found that smell it was so it kind of reminded me always of a time of year and just everything associated with it seems so kind of sexy and mysterious and, and incredible. So I think yeah, well, the relationship between s- food smell. and smell is, yeah. is interesting. Edward Ennefel, editor of British Vogue. What do you feel about food and fashion? Is the idea that in order to look good in clothes, you have to be thin or you have to look elegant, you have to be a certain look or models have to look a certain way. And that would mean denial of food. It would yeah. say, in order to look that way, don't eat. Oh. Yeah, what's that story? Historically, you know, there was that you know, to be fashionable, you shouldn't eat. When you look at, at least my Vogue anyway, it's everybody's welcome. You know, all shapes, all sizes, all colours. And what I love now is three years later, when you look in all the other magazines, they all, everybody's also welcome in, yeah. in all the other magazines. That, that, that strict thing of oh, not being able to be in a, a certain size, being mm-hmm. size zero is the perfect That doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Even the idea of being a model's changed. How? You can be short, you can be curvy, you can be, you know, you can be disabled. Mm-hmm. Literally, to watch that industry change, for me, is one of the great things about, you know, doing my job. You make it sound rather seamless that that this is what's happened in other... But it ha- has it been a struggle for stores or for designers? No, I mean, designers now know that they've missed out on a whole market from size 14 to 16. They've, they've missed out. Mm. Why would you want to miss out on a section of, of a population that can make your business yeah. even better? Yeah. So now designers have really sort of like, oh my God, they've wisened yeah. up. Okay, I just knew that the world we lived in just wasn't that, just wasn't that world anymore. Yeah. Of, you know, you have, you have to be a certain size or, yeah. or a certain yeah. colour or, you yeah. know. Conversations that are being had now never would have been had about 10 years ago. 
The artist and film director Steve McQueen talked movingly about the London street markets where he shopped with his mother, the comfort of home cooking, and the harsh realities of food inequality. One thing I was very shocked by when I was shooting in, uh, in, in Chicago, uh, shooting Widows, was how I didn't see a grocery store in a black neighborhood. I didn't see any greens in a black neighborhood. You know, there wasn't a green grocer's, but there was always some sort of fast food place where people eat. So people are losing their sort of heritage of food. People are not aware of food and nourishment and possibilities within food. And food is politics. In a way, it reverts back to what we were talking about right at the beginning of, of our conversation. It starts with, like, in a way, markets, because markets, a lot of markets are under threat. A lot of markets have closed. So this sense of community, sense of camaraderie, the sense of sort of um, love of food and, and love of each other is a being sort of erased in the sort of, uh, you know, working-class areas. I mean, you get these markets, but they're so, they're kind of like posh markets, aren't they? They're sort of farmer's markets, they call them, and, you know, the food is so expensive. So, um, and, and again, I, I feel that they're, they're becoming kind of food deserts in a way where kids are growing up on fast food and not being introduced to sort of um, love food in, in a way. So that's, a, that, that's something which I'm, I'm a bit sort of concerned about. Yeah. Food is a connection and food is a memory and food is giving and sharing and food is political and social and, and it's also comfort. It's something that we go to when we need comfort. And so I suppose, Steve McQueen, what would you say is the food you would go to if you needed comfort? For me, the, the comfort food that I, I very much love and I appreciate is often the cold day. Uh, you know, and you come in and it's in my mum's chicken soups, West Indian chicken soup, which has the bones in it and stuff. You know, you suck on the bones and it's the sort of, you know, it's the thyme, it's the garlic, it's all kinds of stuff which, you know, the secret ingredient which you won't, still won't tell me, the dumplings, a bit of potatoes, a bit of peas. It's wonderful. So those are the kind of things that I really love. Yeah, I'm, I could hear my dad sucking the bones <laughs> right now in my head. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a wonderful... You know, having those dinners together um, on those cold days, I remember it was, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. And lots of great memories. What's my comfort food? Um, I love chocolate. Hmm? I love really good 80% chocolate. My close friend, Tracy Ullman, who is a chocolate lover, sang at the party we held to celebrate 30 years of the River Cafe. I put my chocolate in the freezer and I break off one square every day and I think it's very good for female yeah. brains yeah. and I can eat a piece of dark chocolate and then I can write and write okay well um, that's a, that's a beautiful <laughs> answer why you know I love chocolate, chocolate nemesis you're a here. woman oh the chocolate nemesis so we can go the word is so right funny Mabel always goes nemesis nemesis. <laughs> nemesis and everything goes like Martin Scorsese film you know when they're taking drugs in Goodfellas nemesis mm. <laughs> Yes, ridiculous. Thank you, Tracy. The other thing we could do before we say goodbye and go have a piece of chocolate nemesis <laughs> is to sing a song. And would you like to sing your song? I think our listeners should know. I had a very, very brief career as a pop singer in the early 80s. I, I had a wonderful song called They Don't Know About Us written by the late, great Kirsty McColl. Oh, and so I sing Chris. sort of like Minnie Mouse 
having I think taken helium. I know you were so you sweet, and you rang me up voice. and you said for your thirtieth. And I said, would, would I sing? I thought, why would Ruth ask me to sing? Mm. And I was so flattered. And I said, what shall I sing? And you went, do you know the song I like? And you were on the phone. You went, it's very clear. Yeah. Our love is here to stay. Not for a year, but ever and a day. The radio and the telephone and the movies that we know may just be passing fancies and in time may go but oh my dear our love is here to stay together we're going a long long way in time the rockies may crumble gibraltar may tumble they're only made of clay but i sang our love is here to stay. I love the river cafe. And we love you, Tracy. I love you. Thank you. Very much. So lovely to do this in person. And that's a wrap for season one. But we will be back in September with a new name. Ruthie's Table 4. Gwyneth Paltrow, Wolfgang Puck, Mel Brooks, and more great guests will be joining us. Have a good summer. To visit the online shop of The River Cafe, go to shoptherivercafe.co.uk. River Cafe Table 4 is a production of iHeartRadio and Atomize Studios. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. 
I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.